afternoon or good evening, everyone. Welcome to the stream in terror. Um, I'm joined by no one today. Uh, ignore the picture that was randomly on the screen. Um, so today I wasn't sure what you guys would want to do. So I'm kind of leaving it up to you. Do you want me guys to do live, live reading, playing the game? I can do a little bit of both, or if there's something else you think you want me to do, not that I can think of anything else because I'm a narrator and I don't think about things. Quickly, I'm going to say hi to the chat. Good evening, Sydney, Dr. Torment, Bookworm, and Shade, aka Dark Little Voices. Welcome, guys. Ow. I just hit my hand on the desk. That hurts. This is what live streams let you hear. All the really bad things, like me hitting my hand on desks. Blame the desk for moving. It's all it's the desk fault. do a short narration to kick it off. Um, let me find one. Um, Let's go with Hermit though. Hold on, I'm trying to find one. Actually, you know what I Sorry that you're not feeling well, Shade. I hope you feel better soon. Don't pass it on to anyone, though. Your house is already full of germ-carrying little voices. <clears throat> After all... We'll go with this one. I'm gonna pull it up real quick. Oh, it's an ear infection, yeah. So at least it's not contagious, that's good. Um, oh, this is a glitch in the matrix. German Shepherd Might Have Saved My Life by Anonymous. Okay, so this one is a shared experience with my best friend, which she remembers the same. To this day, I believe that this glitch saved our lives. It's, it's going to be a long one, but it's worth it. We were walking in the midnight hours from our city to another, which I live, because the public transit was already shut off. It was like a two-hour walk at one point we were walking down the street where on either side were family houses which at least 50 percent of them had dogs sleeping in the garden we were kind of terrified as you can imagine the dogs went crazy barking at everything we were even joking that if one of the dogs escaped we would be dead well we are at the end of the street and suddenly notice something odd there is this house with a pretty small fence, like 80 centimeters or something, and in the garden is a German Shepherd. Like, who the fuck buys this dog and with a, such a small fence? We discussed it, and we were both terrified that the dog would escape. As we came to that point where we had two options on how to continue. One, long path, but the public lights, and one shorter one through the forest, but as dark as fuck. We decided to take the longer and safer one when suddenly we heard paws on the ground. We froze. 
The German Shepherd is right behind us. He came, sniffed us, and went ahead a few meters, sat down and waited. We were still terrified of this strange dog who we didn't know and didn't know us. And might change their mind. So we changed our mind and went straight to the forest. He came, sniffed us, went ahead to the forest, sat down and waited. So we decided to take the first way with the street lights. And you probably know the dog came, sniffed us, went ahead a few meters, sat down and waited. We came to the conclusion that this dog is not harmful and went along to the original path. It was still the same scenario. Dog sniffed us, went a few meters ahead, sat down, waited for us to come. Then again and again, until suddenly, out of nowhere, appeared another dog. I believe it was some great day mix. He was furious, aggressive, went right in front of us with his teeth out, growling. We went to get we went to go back, but didn't want to turn our backs to the dog. Suddenly he jumped, with his teeth ready to bite us, and then our now friend dog came to the rescue. They fought, we cried terrified of the dogs will get hurt. But by some miracle, something happened to nothing happened to either one of them. The Great Dane ran away. The German Shepherd came to us. The came with us all the way home. We gave him some food and water, and then he disappeared. And we guess we went home. About a week later, we still were worried about this that the dog didn't find its way home. So we came to check on him. The house wasn't there. The obnoxiously small fence, neither, and no German Shepherd on the street. But it, oh, but one German Shepherd on the street. But it wasn't him. He would either, he would have either died or got injuries by the Great Dane. So, thank you, Matrix, for saving our lives. I love dogs. Dogs are the best. Especially random glitch dogs, apparently. Anyone anything specific? And don't hit the mic with the glass of water. That's a bad idea. You had a similar experience with your grandmother's chicken? Like, your grandma's chicken saved your life? Because that would be interesting. It flew between the house and disappeared. Oh. <laughs> Glitch dogs are the best dogs. <laughs> Glitch boy, best boy. Yes, the, the, the German Shepherd is now called Glitch. So if you see a random uh, German Shepherd that just sniffs you and stands in front of you, you know that it's there to protect you. Hopefully. I'm very lucky my dog is a There we go. Um sorry, I was confused by what my computer was showing me. I'm very lucky that my dog is part German Shepherd. <laughs> even I agree, even a glitch dogs are good dogs. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good dog? Alright, anything you guys want me to read specifically, or anything else you want me to do by chance? Maybe I should have put a poll. Hold on one second. I'm gonna end. Bookworm. No, I'm just here for the ride. That's a terrible idea. I don't know how to drive. Who told you I know how to drive? 
There you go, guys. Now you got a thing to vote with. I'm gonna move my drink to a different spot. <laughs> if you can drive a crappy old car, you can drive. Your car's not that crappy. Okay, she's a little crappy, but she's my car. My favorite thing to do with that car is to pass people in it. Especially those like really expensive cars and just hear my car go right past them. Especially Teslas. For some reason, Teslas make me laugh every time I pass them. I'm like, oh yes, you might not be, uh, you might not be using gas, but I'll use twice as much as you. Vroom. <laughs> Chaos. Okay. I mean, to be fair, it's my stream. Chaos is always gonna win. Oh, it looks like you guys want me to play a game. I even know which game I'll be playing if I pick one. Um, and this time, it should work. Because I've got my computer working. Hello, September. Welcome. Fuck Teslas. There are so many here. And all I can think of is one one computer upgrade or software upgrade and your Tesla no longer runs and that seems so stupid that you you have to like upgrade a, a, a car like uh, maybe I'm just old alright so I will <clears throat> Let's go pick a fictional story. Got a few smaller ones now. So for a while there, I had like just too big. Like there are quite a few long ones. Um Okay, this one's a little bit longer. Give more time for people to come in and I don't think I read this one. I'm just going to double check that I'm correct. No, I haven't read this one. Okay. one that's fine it's just I don't I don't think I would I used to want a Tesla but now I'm like really not into the idea anymore and I won't lie it's because it's called Tesla I personally love that scientist he was really good a really cool guy but I know it has nothing to do with him okay this one's a fictional story at the iron gates by bees within un unders Udders? Bees with bees with udders. At the Iron Gates. Bees with udders. That's a weird name. Okay. A super pale glow slowly creeps in from the darkness, rousing the unconscious man. With heavy eyelids and a tightness behind the brow, Mike gently came to. He was looking straight up, back against the cold, damp earth, eyes fixed on the unmoving, washed-out sky above. His mind reeled, ve uh, veiled by the haze as thick fog that surrounded him. He couldn't remember where he was or how he got there. He laid motionless for some time, allowing the grogginess to pass. Small stones and wet mud made it uncomfortable, but he was soon loose enough to move without feeling dizzy. Hands darkened by dirt brushed themselves off against the filthy trousers as Mike stood up. All around him, swirling playfully, stretches a pale fog spreading out thinly across the wide dirt road. Small wisps and puffs of smoke gloom gathering around his ankle, dampening his socks. Wind through the patchy fog, the dirt road stretched on eternity under the clawing embrace of looming trees. 
their bark, their bark that's sickly, their bark the sickly pale gray of a corpse, fickled with hints of green and blue, where vast colonies of fungi rot and ate at the tree from within. Decay wrapped on the light breeze. Decay rafted on the light breeze. It clung sickly and wet in the back of Mike's throat, Not, no matter how hard he tried to shift it. He hacked up a glob of phlegm and it disappeared into the mist, sending sweet, swirling rip ripples across its ever-shifting surface. Mike looked behind him and saw the same road twisting away into the foreboding darkness. A darkness he could not hold in his gaze for long out of fear what lay beyond its ink inky shroud. The breeze suddenly picked up and shattered the mist from the path before him. Bunches of rolling clouds again the thick base of the dying trees. Mike thought he caught a soft voice upon the wind. Silently, Mike waited, straining his ears to try to catch the voice again. When he heard nothing more, he convinced himself that it was just the dry rustling of the draping, drampled canopy above, but he was solely mistaken as to when the wind picked up further, he heard a single unmistakable word. Walk. Mike froze. The voice carried on the wind seemed to come from everywhere and nowhere all at once. How was that possible? That sort of thing doesn't usually happen, not in the calm and quiet English countryside. But this wasn't the countryside. But this wasn't the countryside anymore, was it? This was something uncanny and alien. Somewhere Mike didn't feel like he was welcome, but at the same time, he felt as if he was where he was supposed to be. Where exactly was he? He would soon find out as the wind shuddered. He would soon find out as the wind suddenly changed direction, with such force that Mike stumbled forward and was set on his way down the windy, winding path. For some time, Mike walked. For some time, Mike walked down the path. The wet crunch of sloppy gravel. Yeah, sloppy gravel. His sole companion. He tried to focus on the rise and fall of the road ahead, but occasionally he would catch his gaze somewhere else. Through the thick tree line occurred by the swirl swirling fog, Mike could swear he saw something moving. Shapes lurking, lingering, just out of sight, merging with the shadow of the forest, seemingly keeping place pace with him as he trudged further along into the misty eternity. Something about the mucky shadow deeply unsettled him, but his attentions were soon arrested, for the road came to an abrupt end. The tree line receded and the campan the tree line receded and the canopy opened, allowing the path to widen into the sky to meet the misty horizon. Bearing the path Bearing the path stood an immense wrought iron gate flaked by a pale, a pair of green chipped stone brick pillars. Ancient, hinge, ancient hinges held fast to the weathered masonry by long black bolts and thick orange rust. Beyond the gate was a large engulfed in the beyond the gate was a land engulfed in a violent torrent of swirling winds and blackening fog. Between Mike and the gate stood a hooded figure. Their tattered robes bellowed calmly as they stood between f they stood waiting for Mike to approach. Mike could barely see the figure's face. Their crow was lowered so only ghostly white chin and a set of pale white teeth were visible. I excuse me. His voice was caught in his throat. This was the first time he had spoken since walking. I, I don't suppose you can tell me where I am. A thin hiss escaped the figure's perfect teeth and a voice like grinding gravel rasp 
You have come to the end of the road. I am the gatekeeper, and I have waited long for our meeting. The gatekeeper, ra the gatekeeper raised its hand head to level with Mike's gaze. Whispering cloudy eyes stared vacantly from the sockets, sunken hollows. Their chalky complex was was emaciated by prominent cheekbones, a thin, a thin frown brow, and overall gutness of uh, gutness of a corpse. Mike stumbled back in surprise, tapping, o tripping over his own feet and landing back on his backside. He scrambled in the dirt and turned to run. The road was gone, leaving a barren gate and only way out. Who are you? Mike screamed, his voice deca uh, decayed into nothing but a wisp. His voice deadened to nothing but a whisper by the the mist. What do you want with me? I'm here, the gate paper said, gracefully across gracefully across the mud like it was shaking on skating on ice and held out an old withered hand to help. Mike took the crawled hand, clawed hand surprised not only by its frigid nature, but also by its intense strength. With no effort at all, the gatekeeper hauled Mike to his feet single-handedly. Before you can pass through the gate, first your soul is to be judged, worthy or not, and what lies beyond. Breath wraps on the tail of each word, stinging Mike's eyes. Judge my soul, so I'm dead. Bones creak like brittle branches in the wind as the gatekeeper gently nodded in agreement. Mike was surprised to not be stood by the pearly gates and speaking with St. Peter, but he was reassured that it was at least a gate of some description. And who judges my soul? You? Another subtle nod. Well, only God can judge a soul, and you don't look like God to me. What do I go? <clears throat> Where do I go? Where do I go to see him? There is no God here, only me. If you refuse judgment, then you are free to wander the woods with the others. The gatekeeper extended a slender arm, gesturing past Mike towards the dark forest behind them. Dark silhouettes cast shadowy suggestions of bodies moving along the trees never close enough to the road to be seen, always shrouded by the fog. Reluctantly, Mike agreed to allow his soul to be judged by the guardian of the iron gates. Folds of dry, creaking skin unfurled upon the gatekeeper's brow to reveal a third eye hidden in the center of its forehead. Glistening in the pale light, the piercing th third eye bore straight through Mike's body and penetrated the depths of his soul. Before Mike could even begin to scream, his entire being was opened up to a strange entity stood before him. Mike felt a searing cold surge through his entire body, emitting from deep within his skull the burning chill coursed through his veins, his muscles cramped as they locked in place. He tried to scream, his head swimming from the pain. But Mike could not move as the gatekeeper began to molest his soul. Mike's whole life cascaded in a torment of color and sounds before his eyes. Snippets of his early childhood in the countryside, of his friends and family during the holidays or of church of hard work and diligent studies the rest of the year. Glimpses of love, loved ones he held dear in his heart morphed into long, longer scenes of those whose hearts he had broken. Shattered dreams and broken promises flickered by, an unending stream of disappointment and betrayal that twisted in a tight knot in the pit of Mike's stomach. 
missed birthdays and canceled plans. Everything Mike had neglected in favor of his work or personal life rushed in like a tidal wave, drowning Mike in regret. The, un the probing lasted only moments, but each painful second was drawn out to the length of eternity before collapsing in on itself as another wave of discomfort flushed over the last. Mike felt the presence relieve. Mike felt the pressure relieve as the search, searching of the guardian psyche retreated from his mind. Mind, body, and soul was left undamaged by the overbearing assault, but the scar inflicted upon Mike's memory of the otherworldly pre presence would linger forever. He collapsed in the dirt and once again looked up at the third eye gatekeeper. Judgment has been passed and a verdict reached. The gatekeeper paused for a moment. Mike's heart hammered in his chest as he played, prayed for the answer he deserved. You are not worthy. Mark, Mike's heart shrank. Freer gripped his, his stomach and loosened his vowels. Not worthy? How am I not worthy? I'm a man of God, Mike screamed up to the gatekeeper, who remained unfazed by the sudden umber uh, outburst. For a devout man of God, your selfishness knows no bounds. You are thus doomed to wander these cursed woods until the time comes when your soul is free of burden of guilt. With a delicate flick of his wrist, the gatekeeper disappeared in a cloud of smoke. The fog slowly rolled in, the trees seemingly followed by the cocoon closing overhead. Skittering footfalls and clawing scrawl echo in the mist as curious hands and feet drove numerous dark shapes through the fog towards Mike. Thick gray mist crawled along Mike's flailing body as he kicked and screamed at the creatures in the fog. Blowing down his throat, the fog smothered him in a cold, damp embrace as he welcomed with open arms into the forest of the damned. <clears throat> and that is that. Welcome, uh, Spy Fox. Sorry, I can't... Yes, the, 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 the writers... Username is beers, bees with udders. That was the name. Yes. <clears throat> and it's still the 29th here. Thank goodness I still have work to do. Yeah. I see that it's been tied for true stories and playing games. And of course, a little bit of chaos. Gotta have a little chaos. This year's almost done, guys. It's crazy. Let me go find another true story. Welcome. Creepy Dudes While I Was Camping by Social Justice Cactus. I think my friend and I would have been art or otherwise harmed if we hadn't listened to our guts. I was 18, my friend was 16, and we had just graduated from high school and we decided to go camping overnight. Both of us are females, 
but it was a safe area close to home, so we weren't worried. We were making dinner when a man with a fishing gear walked into view of our campsite from... Sorry, read, read that. <clears throat> we were making dinner when a man with fishing gear walks into view of our campsite from up the ca uh, canyon in the river. He asked if he could cut through our site to the road. Nothing seemed unusual, so we said sure. He stopped in the middle of our site and asked us what we were making. Really, just making polite small talk, but then, he questioned, then his questions started getting uncomfortable. How old are you guys? Where are you from? How long are you planning to be up here? Is it just the two of you up here? I'll admit, some little part of me felt uneasy, but my friend and I were very naive. We answered every single question and even offered the guy some food. He declined the food and headed out of our campsite and down to the canal, canyon. A couple hours later, he and another middle-aged man walk up the uh, canyon from the direction the first man left in and strolled right into our campsite. The first one took us up on an earlier offer for some dinner and really just sat there. The new guy asked us a lot of questions, almost along the same vein as the first guy. This felt uncomfortable. I was uneasy, but I didn't want to be rude. After a while, they thanked us for the chit-chat and left our campsite, heading up to the canyon, away from where we assumed they were, they were camped. This is when a subtle alarm bells became less a little less subtle. My friend and I ate and sat by the fire well into the evening past dark, laughing and having fun. However, we both watched the road the whole time, and those men never went back to the canyon. Now, I can <clears throat> now I can see that this may have been simply had a fishing base lower in the canyon, and their campsite higher. But every ounce of my self-preservation was on edge at this point. My intuition screamed for me to reconsider. I was desperate to enjoy this camping trip, though, and didn't say anything. But God, the tension was thick in the air because between me and my friend, and we were both uneasy and did what we could to fill the silence between us. Eventually, she said, You know the worst part about camping by a river? My stomach sank. Of course I knew. Here in northern Utah, where the rivers are fed largely by runoff and the tapers down, down steep mountains, they are loud. You can't hear anything over there? I responded. She nodded. I think we should leave, don't you? She, she said she didn't feel good about the situation. At this point in our lives, we were both stick, uh, sorry, at this point in our life, we were both staunch Mormons. I am no longer. So we said a prayer. I now see this as me me consciously and fully welcoming the voice of my intuition into my decision and making pro uh, making process. Clear as fucking day, we both knew we had to get out. As soon as we really stopped pushing down that intuition in favor of having a fun night, all bets were off. Terror, terror filled us and threw everything haphazardly into the car before booking it down the canyon. The terror was wouldn't leave us until we got off the dirt road of the canyon fork onto the main paved road onto the mountain into the towns. We both watched the river view the whole time, praying we never saw headlights behind us. As soon as we had a single, we called my dad and told him what had happened. He told us to get the hell out of there and make sure we weren't being followed. We end up sleeping safe and sound in my friend's backyard that night, knowing I do, knowing what I do now as a, uh, oh, 
Knowing what I do now about a sequel assault therapist, I almost certain those men had ill intentions for us that night. Woo. That's the story. Woo. <clears throat> we can always pick chaos, but I don't know what we're going to get with people picking chaos. <laughs> And I guess it everyone, and I get this from a podcast. Trust your gut, be rude, stay alive. They don't say it in that exact order, but that's what they say. And I totally agree with it. It's better to be rude than dead. Because, uh, worse times worse, you're just a little embarrassed. <clears throat> Alright, I'll grab... Actually... Give me a moment here... So I'm going to ask you guys a weird question. I see that people want fictional stories. My husband keeps asking me to read the Russian sleep experiment on my channel. Do you guys want me to read that right now? I will probably be doing a proper recording for it in the future. But I was wondering if you guys want me to read it now or just pick a different fictional story. Got a yes. Uh, actually, it is 17 minutes. Like, that's under 20. I can do it. You're just gonna have to put up with me messing up on words, but that's about it. As long as it's like under 20 minutes, but it's just me, I'm fine with that. I have a super duper secret thing that tells me how long a story is going to be. <laughs> I go and look things up before I... I even, like, ask for stories. I find out how long they're going to be. Because there's no point in uh, asking for a story I can't even narrate. I've, I've only ever taken on one that was an hour long and I end up having to split it up because it ended up being too much for me. Half an hour seems to be my ideal max. I think 40, actually 40 minutes I think is my max that I can do without crying. <clears throat> Alright. Oh, if that's the case, then give me one moment. Sorry, I just wanted to get a little... <clears throat> I wanted to see if I can get what I have in my throat out. Okay, hold on one sec. Oh, okay. The Russian Sleep Experiment. Sorry. Fictional Creepypasta. The Russian Sleep Experiment. By Unknown. Russian research in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they only had microphone and five-inch five inch thick glasses, glass pot portal-sized windows in the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep, on but no bedding. 
running water and toilet, and enough dry food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on darker aspects after, four after the fourth day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that lead them to where they were and started to de demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whistling to the microphones and only one-way mirror potholes, portals. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effort, to, effort of the gas itself, effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started, to scre started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce an occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had a physical torn, physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books started tear, took the books apart, smearing pages after pages with their own feces and pasting them calmly over the glass portholes. The screams promptly stopped. So did the whispering in the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming from the five people inside. The oxygen consuming in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, in fact it was the amount of oxygen five people would constantly at a very heavy level of stimulant exercises, strenuous exercises. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captors. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to evoke any response from the captives they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the ground or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of one of you your immediate freedom to their surprise they heard a single phrase in a calm voice respond we no longer want to be freed debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research unable to evoke any more responses using the intercom it finally it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day the chamber was flush with the, with the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air. Fresh air and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began to beg as if pleading for their life of the loved ones to turn the gas back on. The chamber was open and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could roughly call the state that they were in, any of them were in, was life. The food ration, pa <clears throat> the food ration past, past five days had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. 
Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposure of bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were infected by were inflicted by hand, but not with teeth, as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated most if not all of them were self-inflicted. The, <clears throat> the abdomen organs below the rib cage of all four tough subjects had been removed, while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs to the rib cage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the uh, around the uh, eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The diatest the digestive the digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had been ripping off and eating over the course of the days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded the gas be turned on lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a f to everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian one of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off, and and the alter altery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count one of the <clears throat> another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count one that committed uh, offing himself in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to seduce sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of morphine and still felt like a, a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arms of one of the doctors. When Hart, when Hart, was, when Hart was seen to be beating for a full two minutes after he had bled out to the point there was more air in his system than blood. Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and frail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeated the words more over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continued to beg for the gas to demanding it to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedation they had given him to prepare him from the surgery. He fought furiously against the restraints when the anesthesia's gas was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear most of his way through the four-inch wide leather straps on one wrist, even though it weighed about weight of 200-pound soldiers holding that wrist as well. It took only, only a little more anesthesia than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered closed, his heart stopped. 
In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his body had tripled the normal levels of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn and had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be sedated. Most of them were from the force of his own muscles had extended on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of the five to start screaming. His vo vocal cords were destroyed and he was unable to beg or object to surgery. And the only reaction by shaking his head violently and disapproving when the anesthesia gas was brought, to brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly to try the surgery without anesthesia and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his organs and attaching to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon uh, proceeding state repeated that it should have been medically impossible for the patient to be still alive. One terrified nurse, <clears throat> one terrified nurse assisting that the surgeon state that she had been the patient's mouth curling into a smile. Uh, <clears throat> one terrified nurse assisted, assisted, assisting the surgeon start that she had been, she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgeon ended the sub, when the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming that this must be something of a dramatic importance, the surgeon had a pen and paper, pen and paper fetched so the patient could write his message. It simply said, keep cutting. The only two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthesia as well. Although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patient laughed con uh, concurrently. Uh, laughed while the patient laughed. Once paralyzed, the subject could only follow the attending research with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried to ask why they had injected themselves, why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three su subjects restrained were reinforced, and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers faced the wrath of the military benefactor for having to fail the start goal of their project considering euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, an ex-KGB, insist insisted instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected but they were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for a long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment that it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his leg against the leather bonds with all his might. First left, then right, then left again for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly, having been the first to be wired to the EEG. Most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he was rapidly suffering brain death before returning to normal. 
As they focused on the paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to a deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwaves showed that he seemed to be flatlined as the one that had just died from falling asleep. The comrade gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as all three researchers as well as all three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point-blank between the eyes, then turned the gas on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to the bed as the remaining member of medical and research team flooded the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you, he screamed at the men strapped to the bed. What are you? he demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are the ones that hide from you in your beds. We are the ones that you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate in silence and par parasites when we are what you sedate into silence and par paralyze when you go into the nocturnal ha haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed his sub aim then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So nearly free. <clears throat> hey fearsome, welcome. It's been a while since I saw ya. You have a great New Year's fearsome. I think I might have missed her though. I was really upset that I messed up that last line. Best part of the whole story. <clears throat> Alright. So. I think I'll read one more story for you guys and then we'll call it for the night. This is uh, a lot harder without guests, so. But you also get longer stories for me, so both are good. We're gonna do one last true story, it's a creepy encounter, and then we'll call it for the night. Trust Your Instincts by Namro, Namro Mix. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, sorry. I was working at a small business in Iowa when a man came in for an interview. He was polite enough, but didn't say much, but something just felt off. My boss interviewed him. I stock shelves, listen to the man answer our standard question. What's your availability? Have you been arrested? Things like that. When he left, the manager asked me what I thought. There's something weird about him. I got a really bad vibe. The boss kind of chuckled at me and said, We can't deny every employee. We can't deny someone employment because of bad vibes. I took out my phone and googled the guy's name. He had been arrested a few months prior for threatening to shoot up a gas station after being accused of theft. He lied and said he'd never been arrested. Is that a good enough reason to not hire someone? It was, and it may have saved my life. 
I remember September 2018, a beautiful, clear day. The calmness broke by the sound of police cars flying down the road. A student had been murdered in the middle of the day on the nearby golf course. She had passed a group of men who very shortly after found her things abandoned on the ground. Concerned, they called the management and shortly after she was found, stabbed to death, her body floating in a pond. Everyone was in shock. This was the second murder of a young student in Iowa had in just a few weeks. Was it a disgusting fellow... Was it a, a disgruntled fellow golfer? A jealous lover? No. The young woman simply had been at the wrong place at the wrong time. She did not know her killer. He did not know her. He was a homeless man who was in the woods by the golf course, saw an opportunity, and took it. He had a fantasy about aring and killing a woman. Should have said that word. Uh, the next day, the store. The next day, the story made headlines, and on and plastered on the front page was the killer's face. My stomach turned when I saw him. He looked so familiar. I didn't recognize the name, but then again, I've never been good with names. But I remember the stories. I googled his name. The same story about a man being arrested for threatening to shoot up a gas station came up, and instantly I knew who he was. It was the same man I convinced my boss not to hire. At the job, a majority of the shifts there were only one or two of us working. I would have been alone with this guy at so many points. So many slow hours with few customers. So many blind spots. So many opportunities to be alone with me. It's only a few minutes for a murder to occur on a beautiful day on a golf course. So yes, trust your instincts. <clears throat> Did you get no answer for the phone call that you were trying to make, Sydney? And you've never been asked, really. I actually, I've been applying for a bunch of jobs lately, and every single one of them, have you been charged with anything? Have you been arrested? Have you been, actually, specifically, have you been convicted? And I think that's a Canadian thing. Being arrested isn't... Uh, it's not a question they're going to ask you on a thing. It's more, have you been convicted for a crime? And then if you've been convicted, what crime are you convicted for? I've always had to answer no, because I have never been arrested or... Or, uh... And apparently it never comes up. Yeah, it's just, it's a default question here. Everything I've ever done, it always has that as a default. Have you ever been convicted for any crimes? Which... I don't even know what exactly happens if you have to say yes to that, to be honest. Kind of a scary thought. But it is what it is. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah, it's just the applications that they have those on here. They, I, I've never been in an interview been asked that. It's only ever been on applications. So... Which is fun. The applications suck. Alright, well thank you everyone for joining me this evening. Um, sorry my voice was a bit cracky. I, it, I think me being sick is still affecting my voice in some ways. I'm trying to get it better, but I don't know if I can. It might just be how it is from now on, which sucks. Alright, well thank you everyone for joining, us, joining me this evening. Um, I hope to see you guys. Uh, well, I'll see you guys in the new year. I uh, hope you all have a good New Year's, um, and I will be on Interscare's um, uh, live stream for the new for New Year's Eve. If you guys want to check that out, so thank you guys so much. I hope you have a good uh, good evening. Bye.